0: Good afternoon everybody. I want you to imagine you're walking in a beautiful place, a place of natural beauty shall we say, and you've got two options. You can walk looking up at the countryside, looking at the sky, maybe looking up at the hills or the landscape wherever you are, and you'll be in a place where you'll probably feel better and you'll feel happy um, and you'll feel refreshed from your time in that beautiful place. Alternatively, you can walk along with your head down, and you could just look at the floor, and you'll probably see a few sticks and stones and maybe a bit of mud, especially if you're in England. But you won't really see any of that beautiful place where you are, you'll be missing out. And really, it's a bit like that this afternoon. We want to lift up our eyes, so we want to look beyond the everyday And the challenges that we all face every day, whatever's going on in our lives, and think about the future. And think about an amazing new world that God has promised that is going to come here on the earth. And we're going to use our Bibles to do that. Uh, The Bible is inspired by God. It is God's word. The Bible makes the claim that it is inspired by God and it gives lots of evidence that it is God's word. Now we're not going to try and prove that this afternoon, that's that's the subject for another time. But what I can say is this, the Bible was written over a period of about 1,600 years. It was written by more than, more than 40 different people. It was written in at least three different languages. And it was written at places all over the Middle East and Europe. So it was written by 40 plus different people who never met each other by and large. If they did, they couldn't speak the same language and they lived hundreds of years apart. And yet the Bible has one single consistent message. And that's just one reason why I believe it is the Word of God. So that is our starting point, and that is our source for thinking about this amazing new world that's still to come. Now I think we probably agree that the world we live in today is often amazing, but not always for good reasons. And to be decided as an amazing, wonderful world, there's an awful lot of change that needs to happen. And the Bible tells us that that is exactly the case. It is all going to change. And that change starts here. This is a picture of the Mount of Olives just outside Jerusalem. It's the place where Jesus went with his followers after his death and resurrection. And it's where he went up from to go into heaven. And he went up visibly. They saw him go. He was a physical person. They saw him go and disappear into heaven. The clouds uh, came across and they could no longer see him well there was a great promise made at that time and it's recorded in Acts chapter 1 verse 11 the angels said this same Jesus shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven so the Lord Jesus Christ who today is in heaven with God is going to come back to the earth and that's when things really will start to change but he's going to come back the way he went physically visibly to a real place. The Mount of Olives probably didn't look a lot like that when he left. That's what it looks like today. But he's going to come back to that place just outside Jerusalem. And we'll hear about Jerusalem a few times as we, as we do our little survey from the Bible. But when Jesus comes back, he's going to do a number of things. He's going to raise the dead. And those who have tried to please God, he will take into this amazing new world called the kingdom of God he's going to invite them into it and this is something Jesus said in the gospel of John chapter 5 he said the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation so when Jesus comes there will be those with him who are going to be part of that new world And they will be part, they will live forever. They'll be raised from the dead. So the good news is if we are associated and we're going to be in the kingdom, it doesn't actually matter if we die before Jesus comes back because he's going to raise the dead. But when he comes back, as I say, everything is going to change. He's going to judge the world and he's going to rule the world. And here we have a few more words that Jesus spoke from Matthew chapter 25 this time. Because he said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then will he sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. So, this is Jesus returning to the earth in a very different style to his first coming 2,000 years ago or so. He's going to come to rule the world as its king in this amazing new world, which the Bible calls the Kingdom of God for obvious reasons that we've, we've touched on. So, what we want to do with that introduction, and that note that everything is going to change, is think about this amazing new world, and perhaps compare it a little bit to today. Let's start with our world leaders. Now, our world leaders today, I think it's fair to say, are something of a mixed bag. Some we may like. Some we may not. Some we may trust. Some are more of a laughing stock. Some of that is down to personal opinion. Some of that is down to behaviour. But it's fair to say that our leaders are mixed. And even those who maybe have really good intent, really do want to do the right things, maybe men and women who do inspire trust and, and, and confidence amongst people, actually, they, they still struggle. They can't solve the world's problems. When we look at the problems of violence or pollution or poverty, or hunger, or injustice. However well-meaning, our world leaders can't fix them. And they certainly can't deal with injustice at the world level. It's simple, simply a matter of fact. We only have to look at really well-meaning institutions like uh, um, the United Nations, who are there to try and stop war, and, and try as they might, they're not able to. Uh, particularly current at the moment are organisations like the World Health Organisation, working really, really hard to try and solve, solve illness, or heal, get illnesses healed and to protect people. But we know, ultimately, they can't physically do it, however well they may try. Well, the good news is, in this amazing new world in God's kingdom, there will be one leader, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll be extremely different to what we see today. Uh, he's going to rule the world in justice... And he will have both the ability and the will to solve these problems. If you've still got your Bible open, take a look. Or if not, please open it at Psalm 72. Because this psalm gives us pictures of what this world will be like. And we start with the ruler himself. Psalm 72 and verse 2. Here we read, He shall judge your people with righteousness. You're poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy, and breaking pieces, the oppressor. So there's a number of things we're being told about there. The first is that there will be justice for everybody. Rich or poor, old or young, privileged or not, that justice will be the same. But also it uses the word righteousness. And we'll see that occasionally as we go through a few Bible passages. That means good in the way that God is good. So Jesus won't be applying flawed human judgment to things. He will judge in the way God would judge. This is good judgment, not just uniform judgment. And he will take away oppression. You saw that at the end of verse 4. So not only will he give good justice and good judgment, he will remove oppression in whatever form that might come. Now it doesn't mean that Jesus is just going to tell people to do whatever they like. He'll be ruling with God's laws. But he will remove that injustice and that oppression and those challenges that cause so many other problems and disadvantage people. So right from the outset, we could see this world will be very different from the world we see today. Let's think about poverty and hunger. Now, if you're as old as I am, you may remember the mid-80s when there was first this great world understanding of hunger, particularly then it was going on in Africa, and there were pop songs and concerts that, that maybe we enjoyed very much that were attempting to alleviate the problem and to raise money, and, and they did a lot of good. But the sad thing, of course, is that poverty and hunger are still here. Hunger in many parts of the world is is made worse because actually the food is available, but the rulers of those areas are greedy and corrupt and won't let food and support get to where it's needed. Well, we've already thought about having one good ruler will do away with that problem. There will be enough for everybody. But we see it in, in, in the United Kingdom where we're sitting today. This is a reasonably wealthy Western European country. And yet we live in a country where a huge number of people are surviving from charitable donations or food banks and so on. And that again is is an example of injustice and how the systems we we live in are, are broken. So it's a worldwide problem. And of course we know that poverty and hunger also bring other terrible social problems with them. They drive crime, for example. They drive other... Poor behaviours, they drive family breakdown, Um, and of course, disease tends to follow as well. Well, in God's kingdom, there will be plenty for everybody, and this is simply one result of the just rule of the Lord Jesus Christ, because injustice is taken away for one, but also there is plenty for everybody. (coughs) Let's drop back into Psalm 72. And this time, cut down with me to verse 12. The first few verses here we're going to read, verses 12 to 14. Simply remind us of the effect of this just rule of Jesus. Verse 12. He shall deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him that has no helper. He shall spare the poor and needy, and shall save the souls of the needy. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence, and precious shall shall their blood be, In his sight, so that's sort of repeating what we found earlier. This is something we find in the Bible, we have the same message in different places, and that gives us more confidence that it's true. But carry on, verse 15: He shall live, and to him shall be given of the gold of Sheba. Prayer also should be made for him continually, and daily shall he be praised. So, this is a ruler who is being supported and prayed for by his people. But verse 16 there shall be a handful of corn in the earth upon the top of the mountains the fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon and they of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth now my version says a handful of corn Um, it means hands full of corn it means an abundance of corn and if you're reading in a different language or a different English translation it may say something like that but the idea is it's talking about the tops of the mountains that's not where you grow grain is it And yet the Bible's telling us that in this amazing new world, even on the tops of the mountains, there will be grain growing. It will be fruitful. There will be enough for everybody. And it says the fruit will shake like Lebanon. Well, when the writer was writing, Lebanon was an area of forest. And that was the idea that there was this great strong growth of grain and food and enough for everybody. Well, that's a lovely picture, isn't it? War and terrorism, sadly, never goes away, does it? Um, I don't know whether you've been through an airport recently or been maybe to an event or to some famous landmark, but by the time you've taken your coats off and your shoes and you've taken your bag off and you've put all your liquids in a little plastic bag and then you've gone back through because you forgot to take your belt off uh, and then you forgot to take your laptop. You know what I mean, It's, it's quite hard work getting through security At so many places and that's necessary because terrorism for one and violence is simply there and the authorities are doing what they can to try and deal with it but it's not just terrorism that that's quite a hot topic of course but in 2019 there were over 50 wars or armed conflicts going around the world. And some of those have been running for many years, even decades, and, of course, hundreds of thousands of deaths. Some of them are more local, maybe about territory. Some are about religion. Occasionally, they're about drugs or other illegal trades. But whatever the reason and whatever the scope, they're absolutely devastating to those people who are suffering from them. And we see pictures of refugees... Uh, being displaced from where they live so pretty terrible things and again the, the things that follow that like hunger and poverty, disease, and crime all, 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 all only, send, only serve to make the situation worse well again let's, let's lift our eyes a little and think about what it will be like with Jesus in charge because the good news is it's all going to change will you come forward with, or back in your Bibles please to Isaiah chapter 11 Isaiah chapter 11. Now the early verses of this chapter again reminds us what Jesus will be like as a ruler. Um, It talks about the spirit of the Lord being on him and him ruling with wisdom and understanding and justice. And the effect of that is one of peace. Have a look at verse 4. With righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth... And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. So Jesus, as a good and righteous ruler, as I've said before, he's not just going to allow people to do what they like. Some people think that's what a good ruler should do. But actually, no, he's going to prevent people behaving wickedly. He's going to destroy anyone who would oppress other people. And that's what we've just read about in verse 4. And the impact of that is in verse 9. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's what that amazing new world will be like. It will be somewhere where there is no hurt and no destruction. But the world is full of the knowledge of God. Come back to chapter 2 of Isaiah and we get another, another practical image of what this will be like Isaiah 2 let's think about this world of peace and security now remember we said Jesus is going to come back to the Mount of Olives just outside Jerusalem and the Bible tells us that he will establish Jerusalem as his capital but of a worldwide kingdom and so that's why we read in chapter 2 of Isaiah and we'll start in verse 2 It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house, now that's Jerusalem, the Lord's house was the temple when the writing was there, that mountain, Jerusalem, shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. And many people shall go and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So we say this: this good rulership, this good just, just rulership by Jesus. But you can see this is a rulership people love. They're saying let's go and learn about him. Let's go up and find out about King Jesus and, and his father, the Lord God. Verse 4. He shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. And that's the impacting practical terms. Now, you may have heard those words before. The, the, uh, na- um, the beating swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks is actually written outside the United Nations. It's part of their sort of motto, if you like. And as I say, it's a really good aspiration even if human nature means they've not been able to deliver it. But here we've been told about weapons being turned into tools of agriculture because they're no longer needed as weapons. They won't, nation will not lift up sword against nation, there won't be either the need or the ability to make war. And not only that, neither shall they learn war anymore, we read. They won't even learn how to fight. There won't even be the knowledge of how to Commit acts of warfare. What a wonderful situation to be in! Not needing to know how to fight, because security and peace are established forever. That's a lovely picture. Let's so think about the environment for a moment. This is a topic which never goes away, and of course, it's 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 a particularly tough topic at, at the moment. Um, maybe there's other things that are eclipsing it this week, but. But the environment is a problem that doesn't go away whether it's pollution in our rivers and seas and in the air whether it's the resources are running out or the climate change that seems to be happening more and more we don't have solutions there's been an awful lot of environmental activism recently uh, raising awareness of the the issue and the need to change behaviors but no impact that activism hasn't managed to change anything there's a great deal more awareness in governments um about the need to change behaviour, to protect the environment, to protect the planet on which we live. And again, I'm sure some of it's goodwill and some of it is just paying lip service. But there is an inability in government to actually fix the problem. Even in the UK, um, where we had an election not so long ago and the environment was a major part of the debate... And commitments were made by the government. And they're already saying, actually, we need to push back those commitments because we're not sure we can deliver on them. It's really tough. And I'm not particularly saying that there was they were empty promises, simply that whether or not they were, they're very, very difficult to, uh, to carry out. The environment is a, is a difficult, complex thing, and, and it's not fixed. Well again let's look to the future we're in isaiah let's go to chapter 35 now when you go home or when you've finished listening to this talk depending on how you're you're, you're listening to it i'd suggest you have a good read of isaiah 35 it's a really good read and another nice picture about what this amazing new world will be like and the picture we have is one of a world which is green which is lush, which is fertile where the environment has been fixed remember we already thought about food being grown wherever it's needed and there being enough for everybody so let's just take a look let's go in the start of Isaiah 35 the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. So instantly we've been, we're seeing a picture of a fertile world. Come down to verse 6. In the middle of the verse, verse 6, we read, In the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert, and the parched ground shall become a pool. And thirsty land, springs of waters, and in the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. A picture of a world that is well watered, where things grow, that is fertile. Not a picture of a world that is dirty and polluted. It also tells us that mankind may not be able to fix the problem of the environment, but God will. And this earth is not about to die and that's tremendously good news uh, you may notice there were other things going on if you have a look at verse 5 uh, there are other things happening in this, this world then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped and then shall the lame man leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb sing so we're also told that illnesses and disabilities will be healed there won't be the need for hospitals for example a wonderful picture the last topic i want to touch on is one of faith now faith today is often something that divides people isn't it faiths and religions are sometimes used as an excuse for war or other acts of atrocities uh, but actually an awful lot of people who are not associated with that have lost faith because of the behavior of people who are supposedly people of faith maybe because of the huge challenges they face in their own lives there's lots of people in the world who have lost faith in anything and that's that's a tough place to be well again the good news comes in the kingdom of God because in this amazing new world it will be changed we've already read haven't we about everybody worshiping the one true God In Psalms, we read about them praying for their king, the Lord Jesus, and his father, the Lord God. In Isaiah earlier, we read about everybody going up to Jerusalem to learn about God's work, God's laws, um, and and to find out about him and obey him. And we've read about the personal and world difficulties being taken away. So faith will no longer be something that divides people or weakens people. It will be something that brings people together. And it will be built on a relationship with God. Come with me to Isaiah 65. Now we've stayed largely in Psalm 72 and Isaiah. uh, Because we're we're building up a picture from a fairly narrow set of sources. But you can read this from across the Bible. The same messages. Isaiah 65. And we're going to read a few verses because they reinforce for us what this world will be like Um, verse 21 Isaiah 65 verse 21 they shall build houses and inhabit them they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them they shall not build and another inhabit they shall not plant and another eat for as the days of a tree are the days of my people and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands again a picture of peace and security People not being oppressed but being able to to get on with life under the rulership of the Lord Jesus. Verse 23. They shall not labour in vain nor bring forth for trouble for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass, says God, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. So you see faith being taken to another level of a much more direct relationship with God and something that builds and builds as the world comes together. And I'd like to now go to the New Testament for our last reference, Revelation chapter 21. Right towards the end of the New Testament, the last but one chapter, Revelation 21, gives us a picture of how this world ultimately will be. Revelation 21, and it's a picture. It's a prophecy in the same way that Isaiah and Psalms were giving us prophecies of something to come. Revelation 21 is a picture of what this will be like. And we're going to start at verse 3. The writer says, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself shall be with them and be their God. And that has to be the ultimate expression of faith. Where God is able to live with men and women. And be with them on earth. That, that's very hard to picture. But that's what's going to happen. The amazing situation in this new world. Where God is sufficiently at one with, with men and women and with his creation. That they can be together. And let's carry on in verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So, this amazing new world is one that will be completely different. And that's really what the writer in Revelation is saying. All the former things are passed away. Everything that causes hate, or hurt or hate or pain is gone. But we have in our Bibles this vision of the kingdom of God. This amazing new world ruled by a perfect just king. Where there's plenty for everyone. Where there's peace and security. Where we have a clean, fertile environment. And we have a world united in faith with that relationship with God. And the really good news for us here today is that the Bible holds out for us the opportunity to be part of it. God wants you and me to be in that kingdom. And these are words that Jesus said, talking about that time when he starts the kingdom, when he judges people. The king will say to those on his right hand, Come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And that's the invitation Jesus wants to extend to every one of us to be part of that amazing new world and everything you need to know is in your Bible. Thank you.